Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, I'm John Mascarenas from the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. Uh, I'm really happy to be here with my good friend and longstanding colleague, Serge Verstappik from MD Anderson. Hello, John. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Yeah, absolutely. Today, Serge, we are going to be talking about uh, something that a lot of people are asking questions about, which is now we have three JAK inhibitors approved, potentially a fourth uh, this summertime. And the question really is surrounding you know, how does one approach the management of myelofibrosis, trying to, to achieve spleen and symptom benefit, but also considering anemia could be an unmet need. Um, and that thrombocytopenia now may influence decision making when treating patients with myelofibrosis. So I'll I'll hand it to you to start with. What what's your general approach when considering which jack inhibitor you're going to use, and how are you segregating the patients? Well, of course, I would like to do the best I can right from the day one. And uh, for patients that have a platelets above fifty, typically I would use for control of the spleen and symptoms if that's the problem. I would use ruxolitinib. If the platelets are below 50, then I would use pacritinib. That's how it is approved for, and uh, I think it's quite clear distinction between the two drugs based on the platelet number. What is more problematic is the what to do with the anemia. There are a number of patients that are anemic, and uh, I learned from your experience and other publications that perhaps in people who are given a ruxolitinib, that would be then majority of the patients, right, that are anemic, I may start with the lower dose. Uh, of ruxolitinib instead of very high dose per the label and build the dose up from 10 milligrams twice a day, not to cause too much of anemia or thrombostopenia, go from 10 to 15 to 20, 25. And either with the ruxolitinib or with the pacritinib, doesn't matter, I would add if the anemia is problematic, the anemia drug, like uh, I would measure ESA, perhaps add uh, Procrit as as therapy for anemia and uh, Danazol perhaps, uh, and try to optimize the care with the valuable therapies as much as possible. And so, Serge, when when dosing with ruxolitinib, um, are you are you limiting the dosing for anemia, or do you dose through and treat through the anemia? I am uh, cognizant of uh, the worsening of anemia in about half of the people. That's the given, uh, but I also recognize that after about four to six months, in many there is a rebound in red blood cell count. So I'm not automatically decreasing the dose. Now, this is to say I do use alternative dosing regimen. So I go up from 10 to 15 to 20 to 25 during the first six months as much as I, I can. But you are right. It is very important to understand that the anemia is not forever with ruxolitinib. There is a high likelihood of rebound, even without those adjustments. And of course, adding anemia drug on top of it may even further help. And and when when assessing someone's response, what is the ideal or optimal response you're looking for in terms of spleen and, and symptom benefit? Yeah, so right away, we would like people to feel better, right? People uh, may feel better within a month or two, much, much better than at the beginning. Uh, and you don't even need a big dose of ruxolitinib. And of course, with pacritinib, we didn't talk much about it, but it's, it's the same dose for for everybody, 200 milligrams twice a day. Uh, so uh, quality of life is the number one reason why we treat, right? I objectivize this quality of life with the questionnaire in my own clinic. I try to do that every time I see the patient to see whether I need to treat and if I treat, how how is it going? 
Uh, then uh, I would certainly try to avoid uh, excessive myelosuppression, but we already addressed that. And then look at the degree of a spleen response. As small as possible, uh, I would like to push that spleen down because uh, I certainly have a very good evidence from my own practice and some publications that the smaller the spleen becomes during the first six months of therapy, the longer overall durability of the benefit. So I am uh, after the symptoms, the spleen, less myelosuppression if possible, and durability. And there is a lot of evidence that durability really transfers to overall survival benefit. And in, in patients where you are sort of forced to dose at uh, lower doses, ruxolitinib, let's say because of significant cytopenia, so we're talking about like five milligrams twice daily, what's typically what is the satisfaction level in your hands with spleen and symptom burden reduction at that dose? No satisfaction at that dose. But this is really something perhaps useful transiently. Let's say you start with 15 milligrams twice a day, the platelets dropped a lot, you go to five for a few months, and then you can possibly increase to 10 uh, and maybe even to 15. But if I am at five, I know it's not going to work. I look for alternatives because five is not going to help anything much. Maybe a little bit of a symptoms, okay, for six months maybe, but uh, you don't have a good control of the disease, and I would certainly look for a change. And in that sense, I would change to pacritinib. Pacritinib is very well uh, versed in the second line setting. We have got evidence of its activity, not necessarily just for patients with platelets below 50. I would use it in patients with platelets below 100. The data is very solid from studies done in the past. And even the SSN guidance say that in second line, pacritinib should be used regardless of the platelet number. So if I'm in a situation with, the, like you described, with very low ruxolitinib, it's not going to work, I would change. So, so you, you've you've covered a sort of a lot of different topics that uh, we wanted to hit on today in terms of what are you know what are the considerations when initially prescribing a JAK inhibitor? How do you gauge success with a JAK inhibitor? And then how does uh, thrombocytopenia influence um, decision making? In which I think you you were clear that less than fifty thousand, you have this niche in which pacritinib is the only approved JAK inhibitor for that uh, patient population, but. Uh, you made the point that even in patients where you're having trouble dosing, you know, at five milligrams twice daily of RUX or even at higher doses, pacritinib uh, remains an option as a second line uh, drug. Um, and, and NCCN endorsed, as you pointed out, irrespective of platelet count. And I guess the, the natural question is, is we, we, we spent a lot of time now talking about the, the benefits and relative merits of pacritinib and ruxolinib, but what about fedratinib? Where does that fit in? Pedratinib uh, reserved for some patients in my own practice in a second setting that have a good bone marrow reserve because it's causing the same degree of anemia and thrombostopenia as ruxolitinib. And we know that the main reason for stopping ruxolitinib, after all, is the anemia. And so I'm looking forward, actually, to development of momelotinib. Momelotinib uh, has been studied in numerous different phase three studies. The last one is a comparison in a blinded way to danazole anabolic steroid in a second line setting, this is where we need it the most uh, for a benefit on the spleen and the anemia, unlike any other drug so far. And I would expect that to be approved perhaps by next summer. And if that's the case, then I would say in majority of the patients in a second line, if the anemia is a major problem, I'm not going to go to fedratinib. People with low platelets go to pacritinib, but the bulk would be probably momelotinib. Uh, we can perhaps even discuss momelotinib for some patients in the frontline setting that are particularly anemic and don't have a much of a big spleen. That's about 10% of patients. So I think 
they will be the role for mamelotinib in a good number of patients as well. And, you know, I, I think you and I would both agree that in the first line setting, ruxolinib will remain sort of the standard of care for the majority of patients. It has a, over a decade of, of clinical use and experience. And from the, the trials that you led in the comfort study to, to today's real world experience, it remains a, a, a great first option. But there are these niches we can appreciate, low platelets for thrombocytopenia, a significant um, anemia and transfusion burden up front with, with mamelotinib. And then in the second line, I guess, depending on what your goals of therapy are and, and what your baseline features look like at that point, uh, fedratinib, particularly, I found it to be a very effective drug for reducing uh, spleen volume in the second line setting. Uh, but when you have patients, and it's probably two thirds of patients that end up discontinuing for significant cytopenias, then you have these two drugs that uh, could be used, mamelotinib, uh, particularly with its anemia benefits and, and uh, pacritinib. Um, particularly in the face of extreme thrombocytopenia. Although in, in reality, both drugs uh, as ACBR1 inhibitors likely have some impact on, on anemia. Um, I, I guess the, the, the natural question then at this point in, in the discussion is if you are um, looking at a second line agent and let's say the patient has both anemia and thrombocytopenia, which can often can co-occur, how does one make a decision in that setting where both uh, cytopenias could be present? If in that particular patient, the anemia is the major problem, patient is transfusion dependent, requiring transfusions all the time, and doesn't have a, such a big problem with the spleen, that would be then the case for mamelotinib. If the patient is less transfusion de dependent or requiring transfusions, and it's much more of, about the spleen control, then possibly pacritinib would be the one. Uh, okay. Then it's certainly overlap. I think it's a judgment call of the treating doctor. Excellent. Um, and maybe one last word on on if you could compare the, the toxicity profile and the major differences in toxicity profile uh, amongst these three uh, or four rather uh, JAK inhibitors. Yeah, we can uh, unfortunately talk about fedratinib, perhaps a little bit more toxic than the other because you have a, a higher grade of GI irritation, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and you need to measure the timing level because of very distant, but it's a black book warning, Wernicke uh, encephalopathy. So measuring timing and supplementing it. The pacritinib uh, actually comes when you prescribe it with the anti-diarrheal medication because it can also cause some diarrhea. With the proper institution of supportive care, that's not the problem. Uh, Momilotinib doesn't have much of that. Uh, it's really uh, very well tolerated. I would say pretty safe. Ruxolitinib is, as we know, anemia, traumastopenia, not much of the GI toxicity. So a little bit different toxicity profiles, but all manageable, in fact. Fantastic. So, Serge, I want to thank you for joining me today as we discuss um, optimizing uh, JAK inhibitor therapy to achieve um, spleen and symptom benefit, maybe even anemia benefit as we move forward with new JAK inhibitors that are approved and uh, soon to be approved. Um, and it makes it more complex. Uh, the decision-making is a little bit more complex than it was for over a decade where it was one therapy and, and that was it. But that's a, a good problem to have. And I'm glad we're having this discussion and I'm glad uh, you joined me for this. And I appreciate the audience's uh, attention to this topic. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.